Hello everyone. Hey, welcome to Summit Church Fenton Online. I'm so glad you've joined me today. And you know, Christmas is right around the corner and, and I'm really looking forward to it, but I've already had a Christmas treat. Several days ago, my wife made her annual batch of Christmas cookies. And I tell you what, I had a good time and, and I ate more than what I should have. But chocolate chips and the oatmeal raisin, just good, good stuff. And so, uh, but I, so, but I had to do some extra running, uh, to, to work some of those calories off. But always a great time of the year when my wife makes Christmas cookies. So, hey, let's get right into the Word of God. Uh, go to Luke, the second chapter with me, if you would. Luke, the, Luke, the second chapter. I'm going to read some various verses. And, uh, the Bible says it came to pass in those days that there went out a, a decree from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be taxed. And all went to be taxed, every one into his own city. And Joseph also went up from Galilee, out of the city of Nazareth, into Judea, unto the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, because he was the, uh, he was of the house and lineage of David, to be taxed with Mary, his espoused wife, being great with child. And so it was that while they were there, the days were accomplished that she should be delivered. And she brought forth her firstborn son and wrapped him in swaddling clothes and laid him in a manger because there was no room for them in the inn. And there were in the same country shepherds abiding in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night. And lo, the angel of the Lord came upon them and the glory of the Lord shone round about them and they were sore afraid. And the angel said unto them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which shall be to all people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, which is Christ the Lord. Now, I want to center in on that last verse that I read. It's uh, Luke, the second chapter and the 11th verse. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, which is Christ the Lord. Now, of course, this is talking about Jesus Christ, the virgin-born Son of God, and Mary gave birth to Him. And we just read the, the, the very famous Christmas story. But in verse 11, it, it brings out that Jesus is not only Savior, but He's also Lord. And that's what I want to title this message today, Savior and Lord. Now, with uh, having read what I've just read and said what I've just said, I want to read several other verses to you from the Bible, and I want you to see if you notice a pattern, okay? Notice a pattern here. Philippians 3, verse 20. For our citizenship is in heaven, from which we also eagerly wait for the Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. And then Titus 1, 4. To Titus, a true son in our common faith, grace, mercy, and peace from God the Father and from the Lord Jesus Christ, our Savior. And then 2 Peter 1.11. For so an entrance will be supplied to you abundantly into the everlasting kingdom of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And then 2 Peter 2.20. For if, after they've escaped the pollutions of the world through the knowledge of the Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, 
they are again entangled uh, in them and overcome. The latter uh, end is worth worse for them than the beginning. And then Second Peter three two that you may be mindful of the words which were spoken before by the holy prophets and of the commandment uh, of us, the apostles of the Lord and Savior. And then Second uh, Peter 3.18, But grow in grace and the knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. To Him be the glory both now and forever. Amen. Now, did you notice a, a pattern in there? Uh, uh, two words that kept coming up again and again. The two words were Savior and Lord. Savior and Lord. See, Jesus was born unto us, yes, as Savior, but also Lord. And in all those verses I just read, you see that pattern again and again, not just referring to him as Savior, but also as Lord. You know, it's interesting in the New King James Version, uh, translation of the New Testament, the title Savior or Lord appears 704 times. 704 times that you'll see either the word Savior or Lord in the New Testament uh, translation of the New King James Version. Now, of that 704 times where you see Savior or Lord, Savior appears 24 times, Lord appears 680 times. Now, you think about that. Savior appears 24 times, Lord appears 680 times. So, where is the emphasis? Well, it's clear to see the emphasis is on Lord. See, Jesus is not just Savior. He's certainly Savior, all right, but He's not just Savior. He's Savior and Lord. And the emphasis that the Bible puts on Jesus, yes, He's the Savior, but the Bible puts the emphasis on His Lordship, on His Lordship. You know, I recall a song that, that I sang as a child in the Baptist church many years ago, and it, it, one of the, the verses went like this. I took Jesus as my Savior. You take him too. I mean, that was one of the verses in the song. And, and uh, I still have some old cassette tapes that, that uh, tape recorders just came out uh, at, uh, at that time. They were a new thing. And, and my aunt had bought me a tape recorder. And, and so I still have tapes from me, you know, when I'm eight, eight, nine, ten years old, and I'm singing on there. And by the way, I don't sing any better now than I did then, but didn't sing very, never have sung very well. But, but I, I've had myself on there singing. Uh, I took Jesus as my savior. You take him too. And, and certainly that's, that's good and wonderful. But the emphasis is, you know, as I've said, yes, he's savior, but the emphasis is he's Lord. And, uh, you know, I took Jesus as my Savior, you take him too. Uh, you know, think about that. You know, many people want to take Jesus as Savior only, but not as Lord. And that's really what I'm trying to get at here in this message, is many people want to take Jesus as Savior only, but not as Lord. 
So many want to come to him, take him as savior and get their ticket to heaven punched, if you will. But then they want to go on living just like they've, they've always lived and they don't want to submit to his lordship. Friends, I'm convinced that that's a dangerous place to be. It really, really is. People just wanting to take Jesus as Savior, but not wanting to take him as Lord. Um, and, and just reading from my notes here, a question, is that something one can do and truly be saved? Can, can somebody just take Jesus as Savior only and not submit to his Lordship and truly be saved? I don't, I, I'm quite convinced that, that, that the answer to that is no. I, I don't believe for one second you can just take Jesus as Savior and not submit to His Lordship and really be saved. You know, Romans, the 10th chapter and the 9th verse says, If you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God's raised Him from the dead, you will be saved. Notice, The Bible here did not say if you confess with your mouth Jesus as Savior, but rather if you confess with your mouth Jesus as Lord. And then in Acts, the second chapter in the 21st verse says, and this is other places in the Bible as well, it shall come to pass that whoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. Notice it didn't say whoever calls on the name of the Savior will be saved, but the name of the Lord shall be saved. And, um, you know, I, I can't find in the Bible whereby taking Jesus as Savior only and not also as Lord gets one saved. I want to say that again. I, ca- I cannot find in the Bible whereby taking Jesus as Savior only and not also as Lord, truly gets one saved. And I am concerned that many have taken Jesus as Savior only and think they're saved, yet they've never submitted to Him as Lord. And in actuality, those people are not saved, but they're lost. Such a vital thing I'm talking about here right now. So important. Now I want to say it again because it's so important. This is a heaven-hell issue. So we must take our time. I can't find in the Bible whereby taking Jesus as Savior only and not also as Lord gets one saved. And I'm concerned many have taken Jesus as Savior only. They think they're saved but they've never submitted to him as Lord. They're still living however they want, doing whatever they want. I'm not talking about somebody just making a mistake and blundering. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about people that continue a lifestyle of sin after they've taken Jesus as Savior. That's concerning to me. That's, 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 that's a dangerous place to be. And I'm concerned many have taken Jesus as Savior only They think they're saved, yet they've never submitted to him as Lord and are not saved, thus destined for hell. Sobering things we're talking about here today. And frankly, I think this is one of the reasons 
United States Christianity, for the most part, has become so, has become so diluted. And so many quote unquote American Christians are so loose and worldly in their lifestyles. And, and I, I think it's because Jesus has been preached from many pulpits as Savior only. And uh, while that, there, there's great truth in that, certainly, but as we've seen from the Bible, just in what I've said so far, that one must submit to his lordship. Yes, he's Savior. And yes, we must take him as our Savior. But we must also submit to him as our Lord. And to not do so, to not submit to him as Lord, carries dire consequences. You know, go to Acts the ninth chapter. And I want to look at the Apostle Paul as it pertains to the Lordship of Jesus. Uh, in Acts the ninth chapter, I'm going to start with the first verse and read various verses. It says, then Saul, now Paul's name was Saul before he got saved. So, so just so, so you know. Then Saul still breathing threats and murder against the disciples of the Lord. See, before Paul became the Apostle Paul, he was a, he was a bad guy. I mean, he was, he was, he was a, perse- a persecutor of Christians. And uh, thank God he got saved, but we're reading about a time here before he had made Jesus the Lord of his life. And verse 1, Saul still breathing threats and murder against the disciples. Notice it says against the disciples of the Lord. It didn't say disciples of the Savior, though Jesus is the Savior. But again, the emphasis as it pertains to Jesus, yes, he is the Savior, but the Bible puts overwhelming emphasis on the fact that he is also Lord. And so Saul was breathing out threats of murder against the disciples of the Lord he went to the high priest and asked letters from him to the synagogues of Damascus so that if he found any who were of the way, and the way means Christianity, whether men or women, he might bring them bound to Jerusalem. As he journeyed, he came near Damascus and suddenly a light shone around him from heaven and he fell to the ground and heard a voice saying to him, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? And he said, who are you, Lord? Then the Lord now, now notice that we got this word Lord going on. Now, at first, Saul, I'm convinced he, he couldn't have known for sure that that was Jesus. He just said, who are you, Lord? I mean, but, you know, you get knocked to the ground like he got knocked to the ground. I mean, whoever knocked you down, I mean, you know they're bigger than you are. <laughs> he, he's, you know, more powerful. And he said, who, who are you, Lord? But then it says, the Lord said, again, emphasis is on the Lord. He said, I am Jesus whom you are persecuting. So he, Saul, trembling and astonished, said, Lord. Now the King James and New King James Version says that Saul called Jesus Lord right there. Now in, in other Bible translations, and you go back into the original manuscripts, they don't have him calling Jesus Lord right there. But the King James and the New King James do, because some manuscripts, I, I believe, put that in and some don't. But, but we'll see how, how, uh, Saul really did make Jesus Lord right here as we go. He said, Lord, what do you want me to do? And I mean, right there, I mean, you can see. Now, he knows that he's dealing with Jesus. And, and whether, he, whether he, in the Greek, called him Lord in the original text or not, right at this moment, 
when you say, what do you want me to do? I mean, you, you can tell right there you're submitting to, to the lordship of someone. So, I mean, he submitted to the lordship of Jesus right there. And though Jesus is savior, sure he is. But we see the emphasis is on the lordship. And so Saul submits to Jesus as Lord. He says, what do you, what do you want me to do? Looks to me like he's submitting to him as Lord. Then the Lord said to him, arise, go into the city and you'll be told what you must do. Now, there was a certain disciple at Damascus named Ananias. And uh, to him, the Lord said in a vision, Ananias, he said, here I am, Lord. Now, notice Ananias, when the Lord called his name, didn't say, here I am, Savior. Though Jesus is the Savior, Ananias didn't say, here I am, Savior. He said, here I am, Lord. See, Ananias was submitted to the Lordship of Jesus. And so the Lord said to him, arise and go to the street called Straight and inquire at the house of Judas for one called Saul of Tarsus, for behold, he's praying. And in a vision, he has seen a man named Ananias coming in and putting his hand on him that he might receive his sight. And Ananias went his way and entered the house and laying his hands on him said, Brother Saul, he calls him brother. That would indicate that Saul is, is saved. Okay, he made Jesus the Lord of his life. And he, but he said, Brother Saul, the Lord Jesus. See, Ananias is putting the emphasis on the Lordship of Jesus. The Lord Jesus, who appeared to you on the road as you came, has sent me that you may receive your sight and be filled with the Holy Spirit. Immediately there fell from his eyes something like scales. He received his sight at once. He arose and was, was water baptized. And, um, it's interesting if you go to, uh, uh, Acts, the 22nd chapter, Saul, who became Paul, at a later time is recounting this experience. And notice Acts 22, 12, as, as a, at a later, much later time, now the Apostle Paul is, is looking back on this and he's reviewing it, recounting it, sharing his testimony. And he says this, Then a certain Ananias, a devout man according to the law, having a, a good testimony, this is Acts twenty two twelve, having a good testimony with all the Jews who dwelt there, came to me, and he stood and said to me, Brother Saul, receive your sight. And at that same hour I looked up at him. Then he said, The God of our fathers has chosen you that you should know his will and see the just one and hear the voice of his mouth. For you will be his witness to all men of what you have seen and heard. And now, why are you waiting? Arise and be baptized, water baptized, and wash away your sins, calling on the name of the Lord. Now, you know, some people think that it was the water of the waters of baptism that washed away uh, Saul's sins, and it wasn't. Uh, water can't wash away sins. I believe in water baptism, but water cannot wash away sins. Water baptism cannot and does not save you. You must be saved before you're water baptized. And I don't want to get into a teaching on that, but um, uh, uh, you, let me put it this way. You don't need to be water baptized to be saved, but if you're saved, you need to be water baptized, okay? But but it wasn't, the emphasis here is not on the, the waters of baptism that washed away the sins. Uh, now, a Christian, one that's saved, needs to be water baptized, but it won't save you. You understand that it's a, it's symbolic of, uh, it's an outward showing to the world of, of something that's happened on the inside. But without doing a teaching on water baptism, the point here is, he said, arise, be baptized. Now watch this. Wash away your sins. See, it's the blood of Jesus that washes away sins, not water. And what activates the blood of Jesus in a sinner's life to wash away sins? When that sinner repents of their sins 
and with a believing heart calls on the name of the Lord. Now notice here, though Jesus is Savior, the emphasis is not on Savior. The emphasis is making him Lord. And that's what Ananias told Saul to do. He said, arise, certainly be baptized, but wash away your sins. It's the blood of Jesus that does that. Wash away your sins. How does the blood of Jesus get activated when we call on the name? Notice, not not the emphasis on the Savior, though Jesus is the Savior, but the emphasis is on calling on the name of the Lord. Glory to God. So Saul made Jesus the Lord of his life and he got saved and, and, and he became a Christian and then he was no longer known as Saul. He was known as Paul. But you see, it all happened because he made Jesus the Lord of his life. Yes, Savior, but also Lord. And that's where the emphasis, you know, needs, you know, yes, Jesus is a Savior, but he, we need, the Bible puts the emphasis on the Lordship. Okay, not minimizing him being Savior. He's Savior, yes, yes, yes. But the Bible itself puts the emphasis on his Lordship. Now, I want to take a few moments and look at some of the New Testament writers. And I want to notice the Lordship of Jesus in their lives. Go to Romans, the first chapter and the first verse. This very man we've been talking about, Saul, who became Paul. And and notice what it says here in Romans 1.1. Paul, a bondservant of Jesus Christ. Well, there you can see for sure. Beyond any doubt, he had made Jesus the Lord of his life, and he calls himself a bondservant of Jesus Christ, called to be an apostle separated to the gospel of God. So Paul refers to himself as a bondservant of Jesus Christ. Thus, Jesus is his Savior, yes, but his Lord. Now, it's interesting when you look at the concept or, or the two words, you know, it said bondservant here, but slaves and bondservants. Uh, much the same, but, but yet there's, there's a difference. And uh, from my study, it's interesting, and I think this is worth noting. Slaves had no choice but to serve their master. Bondservants willingly and voluntarily chose to serve their master. And see, that's what, that's what Paul did. He voluntarily and willingly chose to serve Jesus. Thus, he wasn't a slave, but, uh, a bondservant, one who voluntarily and willingly serves the Lord Jesus Christ. And, uh, that's very powerful. And then another one that, that I want you to look at is in 2 Peter 1, 1. You've heard of the Apostle Peter. Well, Simon Peter, 2 Peter 1, 1, 1, 1. Notice he says, a bondservant and apostle of Jesus Christ. See, he calls himself a bondservant. He has voluntarily and willingly chosen to serve Jesus Christ as Lord. And Peter calls himself a bondservant and apostle, just like Paul called himself a bondservant, so did Peter. Peter says, a bondservant and apostle of Jesus Christ to those who have obtained like precious faith with us by the righteousness of our God and Savior, Jesus Christ. Now, Peter doesn't doesn't just call him Lord and Savior, but he calls him God and Savior. And we, of course, know that Jesus 
He's Savior, He's Lord, but He's also God. I mean, He's God in the flesh. And uh, Peter makes reference to that here. But uh, you can see the emphasis is not just on Savior, but but on Lord. And here, uh, Peter calls Him God because Jesus is. Uh, but you know, Paul called Jesus. Uh, Paul called himself a bond servant of Jesus. Peter did also. But you know what? What's powerful to me is these next two. Oh, it's powerful. I mean, this is powerful. Is Jesus's half brothers, James and Jude. Now you see, Jesus was uh, born of a virgin, but after Mary had Jesus, then as time went on, Mary and Joseph. Had, they had, then after Jesus was born, they had sexual relations and they had, they had, uh, other sons and, 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 and at least two daughters that we, that we know of. And so, uh, Jesus had half brothers. See, Jesus had no earthly father. He was born of, of, of the Virgin Mary, but Joseph was, we could say his, his, uh, you know, his, his earthly uh, a father, uh, but Jesus had no natural biological father. He was born of a virgin. But here's what I want to get at. Uh, James and Jude grew up with Jesus in the same household, and they and and, and they did not believe on him. And after Jesus uh, went into his public ministry, and and for that three and a half years of that powerful, the most mighty, powerful teaching and healing and miracle ministry, I mean, uh, that the world has ever seen, even in the midst of that, James and Jude did not believe on him. And, and going back to the childhood, I, I have to, I'm confident they must have heard, you know, the story how Mary and Joseph went to Bethlehem and how Jesus was born and that Mary was, was a virgin. And they must have heard that, but they still didn't believe as growing up with Jesus in the, in the household. How would you like to, how would you like to have Jesus, someone who's perfect, be your sibling? I mean, you know, but anyway, they didn't believe on him in childhood then when he enters his public ministry for three and a half years the bible specifically says they they didn't believe on him but after jesus was raised from the dead he appeared he appeared to many many folk but one of them was he appeared to james his we could call him his half brother jesus appeared to james and james got saved and became a a a, a great apostle and 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 jude then did also but to me, and here's what I want to get at, having said that, just powerful to me. And, I, and I, it's just powerful. In James, the first chapter and the first verse, notice what James calls his half-brother, whom he didn't believe on in childhood or in Jesus' ministry. But now he says, James, a bondservant of God and of the Lord Jesus Christ. Now you look at that. He has now become a believer and, and he has received Jesus not only as Savior, but as Lord. And he is now voluntarily and willingly, uh, 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 serving Jesus, his half brother, and, 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 and is saying that, that he's a bond servant, willingly and voluntarily now serving his half brother and looking at him and recognizing him as Lord. Now you talk about powerful. I mean, he's recognizing his sibling, one that he didn't believe on in childhood and didn't believe on during earthly ministry. But now he's calling Jesus Lord because he calls himself a bond servant. That is powerful. I mean, that's enough right there to 
cause somebody to want to repent and get saved, but it doesn't stop there. Look at one of Jesus's other half brothers, Jude. Jude the first, there's one chapter only, but the first verse, notice Jude says this, Jude, here it is again, a bond servant of Jesus Christ. Wow. I mean, think about that. And notice, I mean, he's calling himself a bondservant of Jesus Christ. He's recognizing his half-brother, whom he didn't believe on in childhood or during Jesus' earthly ministry, but now he's gotten saved, and he's recognizing the lordship of his half-brother, Jesus Christ. And, and, and James called Jesus Lord, said he was a bondservant. Now Jude's uh, uh, saying he's a bondservant of Jesus Christ. And then he says this, he says this, Jude, a bondservant of Jesus Christ and brother of James. Now it's interesting, he was also brother of Jesus. Now he said brother of James, but he was also brother of Jesus. He did not refer to, he didn't say and brother of Jesus. He said brother of James, but he said bondservant of Jesus Christ. I mean, he's recognizing the lordship of his half-brother, Jesus. Oh my goodness, you talk about powerful, 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 powerful that Jesus' two half-brothers have become bondservants voluntarily and willingly recognizing the lordship of their half-brother, the Lord Jesus Christ. You talk about powerful, that's powerful. And I mean, I mean that right there when you get your sibling calling you Lord. I mean, I mean, and these two guys did. My goodness, that's powerful. Jesus is the Lord. Amen. Glory to God. And, uh, and, and not only did, did these guys, Paul, Peter, James, Jude, but, uh, it's interesting, uh, Mary Magdalene, remember when Jesus, he, he had been crucified, you know, and she came, you know, th- what, three days later and she was, uh, 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 come to the tomb there, you know, and, and couldn't find the body of the Lord Jesus. And, and, and notice what she said. They've taken away my Lord, Mary Magdalene. She said that he, now she didn't say they've taken away my savior. Now, yes, he's savior, but I trust you're getting what the Holy Ghost is trying to get across to you through this teaching here today. Yes, Jesus is savior, but his lordship, the, the Bible, the Holy Ghost himself has put the emphasis. Yes, Jesus is savior. I can't say that enough, but the, the Holy Ghost has put the emphasis on the lordship, his lordship. And Mary Magdalene said, she said, they've taken away my Lord. And I do not know where they've laid, where they've, where they've laid him. His body, remember? This was after he was raised from the dead. And of course, we know he's raised from the dead. And he, he wasn't there, but, uh, he's here. He's not here. He's risen. But she didn't, she, you know, she, she was looking for his body. And, and she said, but notice they've taken away my Lord. You see that? And not only that, remember doubting Thomas? Remember him? Remember after Jesus had been raised from the dead? Remember Thomas, he wasn't there when Jesus appeared to the disciples the first time and then I believe eight days later, you know, well, actually he wasn't there when Jesus appeared to the disciples the first time. And remember he said, unless I can thrust my finger into his side and and, and I see the nail scars in his hand and all that, he said, I'll not believe and, and, and all of that. But then remember eight days later, I believe it was, when Jesus appeared again to the disciples in that closed room, you know, and and and, and, and Thomas was with him. And this man that's known as Doubting Thomas, he was the first one man. He went, when Jesus appeared in there and, and, and said, Thomas, you know, reach, reach hither your finger and, you know, touch my side, so on, so on and so forth. And he said, notice what he said. He said to Jesus, Thomas did. He said, my Lord 
And my God, oh my goodness. I mean, and again, he didn't say my Savior and my God. He said my Lord and my God. Yes, Jesus is Savior, but I'm trying to get across to you again. Repetition, seed of learning here. He's recognizing Jesus's Lordship. Praise God. Thomas said, my Lord, when he saw Jesus, my Lord and my, my Lord and my God. And of course, others in the New Testament, we could take, take much time and, and look these different ones up. Like the maniac of Gadara who got delivered and Bartimaeus who got his eyesight back and others. When they got healed and delivered by the power of the Lord Jesus Christ, it's, it's, it's very interesting. They didn't just, you know, oh, well, he's my savior and thank you, Lord, for, or, they, let me get this right. They didn't just say, so I'm so, I've trained myself. I call it Jesus is Lord. I'm, he's his Lord. He's my savior. He's my Lord. All right. But, but Bartimaeus, Maniac Gadara and others, when, when, when they got delivered, they did, they didn't just say, oh, Jesus, you're my savior. And, you know, and, and we'll see you later. I'm going to go do my own thing. No, the Bible says after Bartimaeus got his sight, he followed Jesus in the way. And remember the maniac, he wanted to be with Jesus. And Jesus said, no, go home and tell your friends what good things the Lord's done for you. And the point I'm trying to make is, is when somebody was touched by Jesus Christ, they didn't just say, you know, okay, well, all right. All right. Well, thanks for doing that. I'm going to go do my own thing. No, they submitted to the Lordship. Of Jesus Christ. And then you look at all the, all the martyrs, you know, I mean, all the original, uh, 12, uh, uh, disciples, apostles, of course, Judas was a traitor, so we won't count him in, but all the other 11, except for John, he died a natural death, but all those others, all those others, what, 10 of them, they all died martyrs' deaths, and all the martyrs, the apostle Paul died a martyr's death, and all the other martyrs. I tell you what, you, I mean, you, you don't you don't give your life for the cause of something unless you've sold out completely to it. And they were sold out to Jesus, all the martyrs. They were sold out to Jesus as Savior, yes, but but they were sold out to Him as Lord. And I tell you what, you, you have to be sold out to somebody as Lord if you're going to give your life. And 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 they all did. So yes, Jesus is Savior, but He's also Lord. Notice. 1 Corinthians 6.19 says, And you are not your own. See, we need to understand that. When we submit to the Lord Jesus, yes, He's Savior, but we submit to Him as Lord, we're not our own anymore. We're not our own. Um, for you're bought with a price. 1 Corinthians 6.19 and 20. You're bought with a price. That's the blood of Jesus. That's the life of Jesus. He gave His life, His blood for us on that cross. And uh, you're bought with a price, therefore glorify God in your body and in your spirit, which are God's. We need to realize that, that, uh, see, we're not our own. We belong to him if we've submitted his lordship and he's our Lord. So Jesus is the savior of the world, all right. But he is also Lord, as I've said again and again. I hope you got it, all right. He's the savior of the world, all right, but he is also Lord. And it's not enough to take Jesus as Savior only. He must be taken as Lord. And when Jesus becomes your Lord, He also becomes your Savior. Now that's a powerful statement. I want to read these two again. These two statements. Two statements. Jesus is the Savior of the world, but He's also Lord. And it's not enough to take Jesus as Savior only. He must be taken as Lord. When Jesus becomes your Lord... He also becomes your savior. And see, the reverse of that's where you gotta be careful. People wanna take him as savior, but not as Lord. 
That's a dangerous place to be. But you take him as Savior. I'm sorry, you take him as Lord, and uh, and, and he'll, he, he's your Savior. And, and I messed that up a little bit, but I, I, I want to go back and get it right here now. All right, because it's so important. When Jesus becomes your Lord, he also becomes your Savior. And the reverse of that, you can get in trouble. If you just want to take him as Savior, and that's it, then, then I believe there's dire consequences for that. Just take him as Savior and keep going, do your own thing. No, 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 no. No. We, we, we receive him as Lord. And when we do, we get him as Savior. I think this is a good statement. You get Jesus as Savior only, and that's your attitude, and not take Him as Lord. You're in trouble. But you take Him as Lord, you sell out to Him as Lord, and I mean, He's your Savior. You get Him as Lord, you got the Savior, and I mean, you're on your way to heaven shouting to victory, glory to God. Now go to Philippians. I'm going to begin to close this. Go to Philippians 2, verse 8. The Bible, you know, we're at Christmas and, 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 you know, and all of that. So let's, let's look at this. Being found in fashion as a man, Philippians 2, 8. That's what, that's talking about his virgin birth. But then it said, he humbled, he humbled himself and became obedient to death, even the death of the cross. So yeah, at Christmas we talk about his birth. Easter we talk about his resurrection. But here it's talking about him found as, being found in fashion as a man, talking about his virgin birth. He humbled himself, became obedient to death, now we're at the cross, even the death of the cross, wherefore God also has highly exalted him and given him a name which is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow of things in heaven, things in earth, things under the earth, and that every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is... Now, look at your Bible. Did it say that Jesus Christ is Savior or that Jesus Christ is Lord? It says that every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Yes, he's the Savior. But the emphasis is on Lord. And every tongue should confess. See, every knee should bow. And every, t- see, when a knee's bowing, that, that's Lordship there. That's talking Lordship. When you bow your knee, I mean, He's Lord. That's, that's emphasizing the Lordship. Every knee should bow. And every tongue should confess that Jesus is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Praise God. Now, real quickly, go to Luke 6.46. Because I think I need to, need to also say this right as I'm closing. You know, Jesus said, why do you call me Lord, Lord, and not do the things which I say? That's Luke uh, 6, 46, Matthew 7, 21 to 23. He said, not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, shall enter the kingdom of heaven. Now you say, why are you reading these, Pastor Terry? Why are you reading these verses right here? Because I, I'm, because I care about your soul. I care about your eternal destiny. And yes, we're talking about the Lordship of Jesus here today, but he said, why do you call me Lord, Lord, and don't do the things which I say? And then he says, not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven. But he who does the will of my Father in heaven, many will say to me in that day, Lord, Lord, have we not prophesied in your name, cast out demons in your name, done many wonders in your name? And then I'll declare to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, who you who practice sin. See, the reason I read these verses right here at the end is, is I want to caution you. Just because somebody says with their mouth, yeah, Jesus is Lord. And, and we talked about this last week in my in my lesson. You know, just saying that with your mouth 
Jesus said, why do you call me Lord, Lord, and don't do the things which I say? And then he says, not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, is it going to enter into the kingdom, but he who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. And then he talks about, you know, how people did these wonderful works in his name, but they practiced sin. See, here's how you can know if Jesus is the Lord of your life, is look at your lifestyle. And I made a big deal about this last week in my in my lesson, but... Uh, and you can go back on our archives and get that. But how, look at your lifestyle. I'm not talking now about a, a somebody that's blundered. You made a mistake. You've repented of it. We, we all mess up and, and, and we all blunder. I'm talking about a lifestyle. And so just because somebody says Jesus is my Lord, well, if he is, then your lifestyle is going to be submitted to him. And, and, and it'll be a lifestyle of holiness, not a lifestyle of sin. Okay? So, hey... I hope this helped you today, and, uh, and, and I'm not going to sing right here at the end, but I'm going to refer back to that song that I sang as a, as, as a young boy. I guess I could get the cassette tape out and play it for you, but I don't think you'd want to hear me sing then or now or then. But that song, I Took Jesus as My Savior, I think we ought to rewrite that just a little bit. Instead of saying, I took Jesus as my Savior, you take him too, why don't we sing this? I took Jesus as my Savior and Lord. You take him too. So, hey, I took Jesus as my Savior and my Lord. You take him too. You do that right now. You'll be glad you did. Hey, thanks for joining me. And, hey, next week, my wife and I have a special surprise for you on our Christmas message. So be sure to tune in for it. We're going to be together and we're going to have a Christmas greeting for you. So, hey, God bless you. All right. Bye-bye.